Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on free conference call. In just a second, I'm going to mute everybody. All participants are muted and they can unmute themselves. Forgot to do that before the show started. Still getting used to the new system, but it seems to be working pretty well. Anyway... I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, April 26, 2023, and this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now, you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the new iTeraCare device, which is featured prominently at the top of the homepage. And there's lots of information about that, including downloadable flyers and brochures, a link to a YouTube playlist that has over 120-some videos there talking about the technology, how it's used, and testimonials from people all over the world who've had fantastic life-changing results using these things. So they're there, and uh, they are absolutely amazing. Great for what ails you. A lot of people call it a magic wand or a dock in a box. Uh, whatever you call it, they're neat and they work. And there's plenty of them in the warehouses right now. We've got 25 warehouses in the U.S. That's more than any other country in the world. Most other countries only have one or two, maybe. And we got 25. Um, most of the products are seem to be sold here, it seems. But um, they're uh, in good good supply in the warehouses right now but that could change at any moment if the uh, world conditions change uh, supply chains could dis get disrupted and uh, that kind of thing so you want to get them while they're available $380 gets one delivered to your door usually within two to three days uh, that's the total amount uh, just go to yourdiyhealth.com and the information's right there on the homepage. We've got um, a dedicated link to a dedicated website just for the devices. And uh, the link is there. All you got to do is click it, hit the order now button, and just follow the prompts. Just remember your name goes in the remarks box. That's the biggie. <laughs> and uh, 380 goes in the amount box. But um, very easy to order. People, I just uh, had another order yesterday during the show and got that taken care of and he'll be getting his one probably tomorrow or the day after can't beat that and uh, these things are just amazing and i encourage you to get one while you can yeah it's always good to have spares so grab another one just to be on the safe side anyway um while you're on the website if you have any questions about anything you can hit the uh, con contact me button it gives you the option of sending an email or calling and leaving a message either way we'll get back with you as quick as we can usually within a few hours and we'll do everything we can to get your questions answered get you on the right track also uh hit the radio shows tab and at the top of the page is the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm and then if you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information about the shows we do when they're on and how you listen. And at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. And uh, I will say that uh, 
Yesterday I mentioned I was having issues uh, because last week the email on my computer was going haywire. So I had to update to the most recent operating system. And when I did that, that system is not compatible with my software that I use to build my website. <laughs> so one, you know, two steps forward, one step back. But uh, uh, I did some digging and luckily uh, my wife's laptop is still on an operating system that uh, my software will run on. And so is a, uh, I have a MacBook Air that I bought in 2011 <laughs> that uh, still works great. And uh, I just, right before the show was over, I did, did the final updates. I had to rebuild the site almost completely, uh, but everything is up there now. Um, it's got a different, little bit different look to it, but uh, everything is there. All the information is there, and um, you shouldn't have any trouble finding things. Just scroll through, take your time. But I did get the website functioning again, and I've got it updated. I did make a note on the homepage that uh, between the hours of noon and 1 p.m. Eastern time, the uh, Prife International website shuts down for maintenance. So during that one-hour time frame each day, you cannot place an order. So uh, that time has passed for today. So if you want to place an order now, you can easily do so. And uh, But... Just want to let people know that got my website taken care of, at least for now. Um, I just got to remember not to update either of these other computers with the newest software or I'll be dead in the water for sure. So thank goodness for multiple computers. But uh, we got it all taken care of and everything is good to go. So um, let's see here. The other thing is keep in mind the topics discussed on this show and the opinions mentioned are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, the uh, Free conference call HD, or or not HD, just free conference call, or any of the uh, alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. That being said, ah, I just finished everything up and got my flash drive out of the laptop. And let's update this for tomorrow. Goodness. So I hope everybody else is doing good out there. Uh, it's typical spring here in Ohio. You know, we had uh, real nice weather at the beginning of um, March. And then uh, the last day turned to crap, <laughs> as usual. And the first day of April was... Uh, not too bad here, and it's gotten better and better and better as time goes on. So we're almost out of April. We're going to be getting into May, and, uh, you know, as they say, April showers bring May flowers. Everybody, Anybody know what May flowers bring? Pilgrims. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Wait a second here. Got to get back to my other screen, and we'll do... <laughs> and <laughs> that was for Robert uh, and he's not even here yet but anyway just thought I'd throw that in there but uh, yeah it's nice here in uh, central Ohio um, the wife is getting ready to head down to Lexington Kentucky uh, for a big horse show it used to be called the Rolex because it was sponsored by Rolex Watch uh, Company. And um, I've been there several times. It's a neat uh, equestrian event. It's one of the things on the line for the uh, uh, Olympics. 
you have to go there and do well in order to be considered to be an Olympic team uh, from from the U.S. And uh, great time if you're in the horses, which my wife and her friend is are, and they are going down for tomorrow through Sunday, I think. But so it's just me, the dogs, the cats, and our horses here for the next couple of days. Uh, we'll have a good old time. But uh, anywho. Um, Wanted, I got another, unless somebody has anything they want to discuss right off the bat, I've got a little uh, video I would like to play that um, I came across this morning. Oops, hit the wrong button here. I want to see what this is. Oh, good grief. <laughs> Keep getting these text messages coming in for all kinds of weird stuff. Hey, Jim. Yeah, Dave, what's up? I got a, I got a video that I want to send you. About Tucker, um, okay. I think it would be fantastic to play. It's not that long, mm -hmm. but uh, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, send it to me. I'm going to send it okay. yeah, right now. All right, I'm muting out. All right. And in the meantime, um, this video is uh, Maria Z, who's down, in, uh, down under in Australia. And yesterday she did an interview. I can't remember the doctor's name, but they'll mention it here. Um, and they were talking about what they're finding in these jabs. And also, in I believe they're also talking about um, uh, different types of meat and things like that and blood samples and all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, but this will, it's a little, it's about 48 minutes long, but it's worth it. Uh, very interesting stuff. And uh, we'll be able to chat about it once we get done. But I'm sharing the screen, and here we this, go. This uh, agenda is way bigger than what we have been told. And so, as you know, many teams around the world that have investigated the vials didn't find mRNA. They found it all kinds of metals like gadolinium, cesium, uh, cerium, all kinds of uh, things that are toxic to the body, as well as... Uh, Dr. Shimon Yanovitz and Dr. Nixon found self-assembling nanotechnology and the fiber optic cables that are communicating between the microchips that have been seen started to appear these similar fibers in live blood analysis initially in vaccinated blood and then in unvaccinated blood. And this is where really the alarm bells just went off uh, to try to investigate, you know, what is this and what is the background? And then I really found out that the transhumanist agenda didn't start with the C-19 shots, but really the geoengineering and the spraying of these heavy metals as well as synthetic biology, which is known as morgellons, which is a high hydrogel-based life form uh, similar to what is in the shots, the uh, ingredients of polyethylene glycol in Pfizer and SM102 in Moderna are hydrogels. So what is that? That's a self-assembly polymer that when combined with metals and carbon nanotubes, which is also known as graphene, can build these electronic devices that are senders and receivers. So they are basically digitizing all life on Earth and they're surveilling it. God bless the tip of the spear, the InfoWars crew, and every single person that makes this broadcast possible. You know, when I heard the news about Tucker, I wasn't all that surprised, to be honest with you. 
because he really was the last man standing on uh, in in any sort of uh, well on television. Let's let's just say it for what it is. And Infowars has been the alternative to the lies for so long. So much of what has been exposed on this uh, network, if you will is coming to pass now. I just interviewed Steve Quayle last week and he said everything that used to be future is happening right now. But why are broadcasts like this so crucial? Because this is the information that will literally save the lives of humanity. And it's making such an impact that the World Economic Forum just wrote an article titled Agenda 2030. Civil participation, uh, why civic participation is key to meeting UN sustainability targets. The team's got it up on the screen right now. I want to read you just one section from this article. Attacks on civil society and civic freedoms threaten to unravel achievements in meeting the UN Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs. They are weakening action to tackle economic inequality, gender imbalances, corruption and environmental degradation. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, this is fantastic news. This is the World Economic Forum publishing an article that people who are on the right side of freedom, people who are on the right side of history, the side of truth, are making such a dent in their goal for depopulation, for changing what human beings are, for bankrupting us, turning our cities into smart city ghettos. We're making such a dent in their plans. This is an admittance of these people that that this is a threat to achieving the sustainable development goals. So this is why this broadcast is so crucial. This is why your support of Infowars and independent media is so crucial because you're not going to hear this information anywhere else. You're not going to hear about the transhumanist agenda anywhere else. And that brings me to my guest today, Dr. Anna Mahaicha. Uh, Greg Reese has done a couple of really, really fantastic videos on transhumanism. He's spoken about what is in the shots. Dr. Mahaicha just so happens to be one of the uh, you know, leaders in exposing what she's found in the shots, in the blood, and explaining the core of the transhumanist agenda. Dr. Mahaicha, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Maria, for having me. Well, it's it's truly an honor. Um, as I said, Greg Reese has done a couple of videos uh, where he's spoken about your work. For anyone who's not familiar with it, you can see her Substack on anamahaichaphd.substack.com. I encourage everyone to get on there. She's publishing stuff that no one dares to touch uh, on the transhumanist agenda, what's been injected into humanity, uh, and, and it's, it's truly, truly groundbreaking stuff. But I guess I, for, for anyone who's not familiar with your work, Dr. Mahaicha, I really want to start from the beginning, uh, what, how they are advancing their transhumanist agenda and how the C-19 shots were the first crucial part of this. You tell me where you want to start. Well, um, just to kind of explain to people, you know, I, I've uh, treated COVID. I'm an internal medicine physician. And uh, then I met Dr. David Nixon, 
who actually looked into what is in the Pfizer vials. And one day he said, hey, do you want to have a look? And I saw self-assembling nanotechnology and it changed everything because I understood that this uh, agenda is way bigger than what we have been told. And so, as you know, many teams around the world that have investigated the vials didn't find mRNA. They found it all kinds of metals like gadolinium, cesium, uh, cerium, all kinds of uh, things that are toxic to the body, as well as uh, Dr. Shimon Yanovitz and Dr. Nixon found self-assembling nanotechnology. And the fiber optic cables that are communicating between the microchips that have been seen started to appear these similar fibers in live blood analysis, initially in vaccinated blood and then in unvaccinated blood. And this is where really the alarm bells just went off uh, to try to investigate, you know, what is this and what is the background? And then I really found out that the transhumanist agenda didn't start with the C-19 shots, but really via geoengineering and the spraying of these heavy metals as well as synthetic biology, which is known as Morgellons, which is a hydrogel-based life form uh, similar to what is in the shots, the uh, ingredients of polyethylene glycol in Pfizer and SM102 and Moderna are hydrogels. So what is that? That's a self-assembly polymer that when combined with metals and carbon nanotubes, which is also known as graphene, can build these electronic devices that are senders and receivers. So they are basically digitizing all life on Earth and they're surveilling it. And so uh, this has been going on for a long time, but now with these shots, uh, there's a whole new level. And what was very interesting, Maria, was that I also found uh, a chemical analysis from 2012 of these environmental filaments, and they were containing a derivative of butyric acid. And it turns out that in the FOIA request for Pfizer in Australia, similar uh, substances were found as part of the lipid nanoparticles in the C-19 shot. So I found this very interesting and this uh, broadens the, the view of what we should do for, for treatments for people because we need to detoxify this nanotechnology. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that first, as with anything, acknowledging the problem is there is the beginning to dealing with the problem, which is why this research is so crucial. Uh, and you're doing the absolute best that you can, along with the others that you mentioned. Um, we, we've featured the findings of uh, Shimon Yanowitz and Matt Taylor on this broadcast before with the fiber optic cables. Dr. David Nixon, one of the uh, most viral videos that, that I've released on the uh, robotic arms actually uh, inside the vials. You know, you can see this thing has a mind of its own and all of this, the you know, articles that I'm reading of late show this nanotechnology is kind of becoming aware or it's being uh, made aware from an outside influence. It's all very, very fascinating, really twilight zone stuff. I keep saying that. But the problem I think that that many people need to to come to terms with is that medicine and synthetic biology is so much more advanced. Technology in general is so much more advanced than we've realized. It's been kept hidden from us for kept so long from us for because so long. 
of this, uh, you know, eventual AI agenda, eventual, uh, just like the previous guest with Alex was talking about, you know, this this uh, disclosure of, of aliens, which aren't aliens at all, but that's, I, I won't get into that right now. But th- this is why your work is so crucial, Dr. Anna. Now, you've, you've sent some slides through to us. The team have got those. Uh, if you want to just start, we've got about a, a minute and a half until break. If you want to just start and let the team know, w- what's the most crucial bit of information that you want to bring up from this presentation? I really want uh, people to see this, the images of the live blood and see these structures. So some people are calling this parasites, these long fibers that we're seeing, but they're not parasite. They're actually synthetic biology that's made from this hydrogel and they grow under EMF and electrical exposure. So I have worked with Clifford Carnicum and we've done uh, uh, experiments with unvaccinated blood that by just applying a low level electrical current, the blood uh, was transformed into something unrecognizable, a fiber network that literally looked exactly the same as if La Quinta Columna had heated a drop of Pfizer uh, vial content and they were also developing the same filaments. And it turns out that Morgellons also looks the same way. So I think the optical, uh, the visualization of seeing uh, what this looks like is really important to see the similarities. And, uh, and that allows us to kind of answer some of these questions a little bit more. Well, that's that's slide 12. <clears throat> what we'll do is we'll get the team, if they're able to, bring it up right after the break so that people can see it on slide 12 of your presentation um, because it does show the, the Pfizer drop heated. It shows what happens when this stuff is exposed to EMF, and EMF is a crucial part to the story. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't go anywhere, Dr. Anna Mahara. What an amazing woman. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. At all these practitioners around the world are seeing these changes and this is correlating with these symptoms that are affecting not just the vaccinated but also the unvaccinated i see more and more people who have brain fog extreme fatigue heart palpitations all kinds of symptoms that were previously attributed to the spike protein but what it turns out is when i look at their live blood then i find these filament structures uh that that you can see and the problem is is that 
if you do not get this out, the symptoms progress and people continue to have uh, issues with sleep. Uh, this stuff is very responsive to EMF frequency, 5G frequency. So if people are surrounded by that, their symptoms also get worse. And so uh, I think that this is a very important question to address because um, many of the vaccine injury protocols do not take into account the metals that we are being sprayed on uh, via geoengineering that are also in the vials, as well as this, this programmable matter hydrogel platform, which is literally a polymer plastic. And so this can grow from nano size to centimeter size in minutes. And uh, one of the issues is, is that, uh, like I said, EMF radiation does make it grow. By the way, there is a correlation to what Mike Adams found because he investigated the uh, clots of the uh, cadavers of people who died uh, from the shots and found that this wasn't blood. It was a self-assembly polymer with metals in it that was extremely resistant to any type of dissolution. And one of the concerns that I have is that uh, this is really something that uh, that is uh, now shedding or transmitting also to the unvaccinated. And so uh, if you are looking, for example, on my slides, on slide 15, we uh, we incubated um uh, live blood of unvaccinated people and vaccinated people. And within a week, these filaments grew over time. Uh, and again, this is the same stuff that we've seen in live blood. And if you look at the next slide, slide 16, there are people who have uh, used anti-nanotech devices, for example, with magnetic fields. And you can see what comes out of people's body. This was previously from nanotechnology from Morgellons. And what I'm seeing now on the other side in people's live blood are these filament structures that are completely transforming the blood. So Clifford Carnicum and I, we did studies on electrical conductivity of blood and showed that it was up to 50% 47% reduced compared to normal values. So imagine electricity is, is, is basically our life force, something, this stuff is hijacking our life force, causing chronic fatigue. In my clinical practice, I've seen accelerated aging by decades in a few months. And if you do not take this stuff out of the blood, uh, it, it really, this process progresses, it causes extreme acidity. I've seen turbo cancers now in the unvaccinated. And I want to show, so on slide 17, you can see one of those blood clots that were taken out of uh, uh, someone who was vaccinated, highly abnormal. And it turns out that hydrogel coagulates the blood and literally can cause these kinds of clots. And if you look at, at slide 18, this same stuff was seen in unvaccinated uh, uh, people. So this is an individual who just went to a, 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 a infusion clinic and they couldn't get the access and these rubbery clots were taken out of an unvaccinated person. And then, as you know, Maria, we found it in meat, and uh, I went and uh, analyzed meat uh, samples. And if you see slide uh, 19, the same filamental structures were in different types of meat, 
grass-fed meat. I found it in half and half. Uh, and the, the issue is that really there is now this concern that this stuff is also in the food supply. Um, if you look at slide 22, you can see the comparison between something that David Nixon found in the Pfizer vial growing and, uh, and the beef juices blood that we looked at. And so you can see how there's an absolute correlation. It looks similar. And so I think that, that hydrogel-based uh, uh, carbon nanotubes with metals are part of this biology. Uh, in this slide right here, you see that uh, this was in half and half milk. It doesn't belong there. Uh, so I, I believe that, that all of humanity is under threat, that the transhumanist agenda wants to uh, basically merge us with synthetic biology and artificial intelligence. And uh, the danger of this hydrogel is it can mimic every cell. It can create brain cells and, uh, and uh, neurotechnology that basically can take over our thoughts and, and manipulate those as well as transmit your thoughts to the cloud. Uh, so Juval Harari's dream of creating automatons that have no soul and no spirit, I believe that this is the technological platform that we are seeing. This is why we're sounding the alarm, because I'm concerned about, about an extinction-level event for humanity. I think you're absolutely right, Dr. Anna. <clears throat> These people haven't hidden their agenda from us. They make it very clear. You mentioned Harari talking about the fact that humans are now hackable animals. We can, we can manipulate them. We can control them. We can uh, make them do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. We can... Uh, coerce them. This is all, these are all statements made by these organizations. And you've got articles out there talking about human beings being antennas, being receivers. Uh, there's, there's a patent. Um, oh, I can't remember the patent number right now. Maybe I'll, I'll search for it in the break that uh, talks about uh, controlling people's minds. Well, how are they going to control people's minds? You know, that you've got propaganda and what, you know, the rewiring of the brain through our devices uh, is already causing. That's that's part of it. But these people are talking about something totally different. They're talking about hijacking the human brain. So um, we definitely want to talk about uh, some of the success that you've had in getting this stuff out of people and all of that. We'll, we'll save that for the last segment. In the next segment on the other side of the break, Dr. Anna, I really want to talk about, you mentioned the words programmable. You mentioned the words uh, that, you know, how, how this stuff hijacks um, your brain neurons and all of that. I want you to talk about what you've been able to find to establish that, that this technology is in fact doing that um, and what it could mean for people, what it means about waking people up. And then we'll talk about the success that you've had in getting this stuff out. We're here with Dr. Anna Mahaicha. Don't go anywhere. This is so, so important. We'll see you right on the other side of this break. Seventeen seventy editing into the red organism, the unvaxxed for over a year were all contaminated with the similar ribbon like structures found in the blood of the vaxxed. 
Most of the meat in the grocery store is from overseas. And if we want to eat uncontaminated meat, we'll have to start buying direct from farms in America that still produce all natural organic protein and take back control of our democidal government. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Huge thank you to Greg Reese for everything that he does. And I want to say uh, that there is a huge library of interviews with Dr. Anna Mahaicha, Dr. David Nixon, uh, Shimon Yanowitz, Matt Taylor, some of the real, uh, the, the most dedicated people researching this stuff on zmedia.com. They're not all up on band. We've been, uh, I mean, uh, at Z Media, we've been speaking to these wonderful individuals for months now, long before we had a band channel. Uh, so please do go to zmedia.com and watch the extensive library of these interviews dating back to the first round of discoveries uh, till till what we've found uh, now. I just want to mention that patent, Dr. Mahaicha, uh, it was US 535-6368A, method of and apparatus for inducing desired states of consciousness. And it says, quote, uh, improved methods and apparatus for entraining human brain patterns, employing frequency following response techniques, facilitate attainment of desired states of consciousness. So please spend a few minutes talking to us about the fact that, you know, are people now programmable? Uh, how, how is the hacking able to happen? How is this stuff mirroring or, or mimicking the brain neurons? Yeah, so first we have to understand that in the military and DARPA, they have studied this for a long time. So for 60 years, science has actually found a way to map resonant frequencies of brain activity and create artificial brains. And in the same way, uh, this has been used for mind control purposes. Uh, th there is the technology that was, for example, developed at MIT to link six different brains together for problem solving. If you have more than that, you know, people have uh, have significant brain dysfunction. This has been done in animals and in humans. So uh, this idea of the hive mind, which is really what this transhumanist agenda wants to achieve via artificial intelligence, has already been done. So we are electrical uh, and electromagnetic beings of light and sound and our brain waves can be decoded. That has been done. There is, there is technology that is able to uh, see exactly what you're thinking, your imagery, decode this. Uh, in, in the DARPA and CIA programs, it has been possible to influence dream states. And uh, they are literally also working on what's called hijacking the soul. And that is possible because if you are no longer able to have control over your own thoughts and an external frequency that you cannot sense, you cannot detect, can just implant thoughts within you, then you have Manchurian candidate-like uh, uh, programs here. And the issue is really that, uh, so this programmable matter, the hydrogel, what it does, so it can mimic every neuronal cell in the brain. And the carbon nanotubes, uh, they are exactly the same diameter 
there as microtubules. And microtubules are the structures in the brain where consciousness is being processed. And literally, it's been shown that in the microtubules, it's like a different DNA that contains billions of years of information on the quantum level. So all of this is happening really in the realm of the extremely tiny. And so if you now are injecting something into humanity like hydrogel that can mimic uh, and create a secondary brain within your own tissue that takes over a parallel processing, then you can control somebody and also affect their soul, because if it's no longer your own thinking and your free uh, thought and free will is being affected, then your soul is affected and can actually be severed. Uh, so here's where you get the automatons that are just being influenced by the this external frequency. And ultimately, it is to upload every living being into the cloud so that people live in the metaverse as just these unconscious consumers. And the technology is yeah, real. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we've, we've got to go to break, Dr. Dr. Anna Mahajchuk. We've got to go to break. Uh, we'll be back in about 10, uh, sorry, we're, we're break in 10 seconds. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, you're right. I saw something about hijacking the soul. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Noah Harari once said, we humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. That's what we are. Dr. Anna Mahaicha is here with us explaining what this technology actually is, what their vision is for it, how they've uh, realized this vision for the most part. Uh, before the break, I, I cut you off, Dr. Anna. Please continue. Well, I think it's it's just really important for people to understand that there is this dimension and in order to uh, protect themselves or to help uh, with detoxification and to limit this accelerated aging that clearly is present. If you think about how many millions of people have what's called long COVID and uh, in my practice looking at the live blood, these structures that you see behind me, uh, they are seen right after people have acute COVID, they're seen in long COVID, they're seen in where people are getting really sick uh, that are unvaccinated who are around vaccinated people. I've now seen accelerated uh, aging processes as well as uh, blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, and turbo cancers. Uh, so, but it's important Dr. Anna, to sorry, if I can pause you, if I can pause you there, uh, apologize, but you once told me that you had a patient uh, that was perfectly, her blood was fine. She went to dinner with her vaxxed friends, came back and her blood was full of this stuff. Is that right? Yes, so I believe that there is a shedding phenomenon that is physical so that these filaments are, are transmissible as well as that there is an electromagnetic issue uh, where people just for by, via frequency can also uh, be sickened. And um, if you look at the slides on, on slide 23, I'm showing uh, an individual with significant symptoms that came to see me and the 
the quality of the blood has definitely worsened over time. So last December, I was still seeing some unvaccinated people who didn't have these structures in their blood. Now we don't see them anymore. And I always discuss these findings with our colleagues in Australia and New Zealand and other places, and they have the same findings. And so now uh, we see what we call sludge, where instead of rouleau formation, rouleau is the stacking you can hardly differentiate uh, that there's blood um, uh, cells uh, in there because it's so mushed together. And then you have these structures that cause acidity, that cause microclotting and a lot of problems. So this, these red blood cells do not give off oxygen appropriately. So they cause this uh, extreme fatigue, brain fog. And so because of the hydrogel issue, Karen Kingston found a patent that clearly showed that one of the uh, antidotes for the hydrogel is EDTA, which happened to be something that we use for metal detoxification. I'm a certified chelation practitioner. So I was using this in people and pulling out the metals that are also interfering with the electrical conductivity. And if you look at slide 24, this is the same individual three days later. And uh, what uh, what happens is that the blood is completely cleaned off the structures, that the blood cells are, are uh, you know, now flowing normally, that, uh, that this sludge is dissolved, and people feel a whole lot better. And the reason why I keep talking about it is because if people are unaware that this hydrogel graphene technology uh, with these metals are in the blood, then they're not going to use uh, something like EDTA chelation and ultimately are missing the what is really causing this accelerated aging and the technology that's affecting us. So I, I am endeavoring to encourage people to look into this and one very easy way to verify if, whether or not uh, the modalities are working is to do a live blood analysis. That's just a poke in the finger and you look at it on the microscope. It's amazing what you can see. So in addition to your vitamins, your nutrients, uh, you know, uh, I would add the EDTA chelation. I also use anti-aging peptides like epithalon. That's been very helpful because, again, this is, seems to be an accelerated aging process. And so age reversal modalities are very helpful. Other molecules are things like humic and fulvic acid has been shown to dissolve graphene and it increases electricity. High doses of vitamin C like Linus Pauling used to talk about up to 10,000 milligrams uh, is is important. Nitric oxide is important to help the gut microbiome to detoxify from this. I use methylene blue a lot because it's an electricity donor. Again, we've shown in these uh, uh, blood conductivity studies how much the blood uh, electricity is decreased. So you want to give back uh, molecules that enhance electricity. So I found this treatment approach very successful and I think it's important to know about it because if now the entire biosphere is contaminated with this stuff, we have to do everything in our power to clean it up. And on the other hand, people need to wake up that the transhumanist uh, satanic agenda is trying to kill us every which way and people need to wake up and fight this because there isn't much time remaining. If you uh, age uh, the entire population like this and you're going to have people who can't think because they're so tired, they can't fight, they can't function, this is not good and this isn't going to be, you know, in 20, 30 years. This is in the next couple of years you're going to see devastating things and and if they start a 5G blast, 
you know, then even worse because people have this antenna in their body and it can be used as a weapon. Well, Dr. Anna, I think um, at one stage you were you were talking about the fact that this nanotechnology was appearing, disappearing, reappearing. It seemed to be something, some sort of instructions that were coming from the quantum realm, potentially the demonic realm. I mean, this is a another very deep conversation. Dr. Anna and I have gone into, again, I encourage everyone to go to zmedia.com, a huge library of interviews with Dr. Anna, really long interviews as well, where she explains the quantum realm. She explains how this is actually um, a, a spiritual thing that's happening. Uh, and when we say spiritual, we're not talking about weird new age stuff. We're actually talking about the demonic uh, influence on people. And I, I want to just encourage people right now, your faith p- plays a huge role in this. You know, your faith um, is is a shield against a lot of these attacks. So I don't want people to feel hopeless. Dr. Anna, you mentioned nitric oxide. Uh, I, I want to give a plug uh, to the InfoWars store right now, Nitric Boost, really high quality supplement as well. Um, but what I wanted to ask you, Dr. Anna, was you you previously told me the nanotech was appearing, uh, disappearing, reappearing. Is that still happening with the EDTA collation or is it seemingly getting rid of this stuff? So remember, in the human body, we've never seen the microchips. The microchips develop when you have them under the microscope. This is directly from the Pfizer uh, vial. So we've seen uh, microchips that are octahedral and Morgellons victims and how they were coming out of people's body. So uh, what we do see are the filaments, the optical communication cables that we believe are made from hydrogel because the the infrared spectroscopy is showing in the blood that there are hydrogen-based chemical groups. So that is what is disappearing and it stays gone if people are limiting exposure, if they are continuing on a regimen uh, that supports their immune system. But then I have recommended in my office, you know, that people like once a month, if they're able to get an EDTA chelation IV uh, uh, we also have the, the cream. So just to, to continue this cleanup, because if they're spraying it on us via these uh, geoengineering programs, which we know there is, that's clearly happening, you know, nobody can stop breathing uh, in regards to, you know, keeping themselves safe. And now that's in this food supply. Dr. David Nixon saw that people who are fasting, they had much less of these ribbon-like structures. So he was kind of wondering, hey, uh, is part of the de- uh, recontamination happening through the food that is uh, that is contaminated? So starting to look at live blood of animals and the problem is if they're breathing the air from this stuff as well, uh, you know, what can you do? We've found hydrogel in injectables like other uh, uh, vaccines like insulin, uh, other teams around the world have found the same thing. Uh, it is now in the in the water filtration system in cities. They use hydrogel, so the blood get uh, the water gets contaminated with this stuff. And again, uh, if it is exposed to electromagnetic frequency, it grows and it can grow huge. So I think that people really need to start fighting and demanding answers. And you know, go to your senators and say, you need to answer this. What is this? You know, get us clean food. And and uh, who is doing the geoengineering? Uh, NASA and these covert programs that are endeavoring to, you know, dim the sun. That needs to stop. That's poisoning the entire biosphere. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're almost out of time today, Dr. Anna, but we so, so appreciate all of your work. Again, you can find her articles on annamahaitraphd.substack.com. Go to zmedia.com. I've got a recent interview uh, with Dr. Anna. I've also got a recent interview with Dr. Nixon on the meat, their latest findings. Dr. Nixon found a lot less of this in his local butcher's meat than the supermarket meat. It seems to be that the major chains is where the biggest, the bulk of the problem is, which is fine. We want to support local business anyway. Again, Dr. Anna Mahaicha, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll see you all soon. On to Owen Troyer. Well, one of the main things that I got out of this is that they're using EDTA chelation, and that just further strengthens my belief that science-based clinically verified medical nutrition is the key thing, along with the terahertz frequencies, to detox the body from these uh, jabs. You know, I, I've talked about this in the past, but um, Dr. Peter Glidden was one of the first naturopaths to use EDTA chelation. And when he became involved with Dr. Wallach and Longevity, he conducted some testing and found that uh, people that came to him with heavy metals, uh, their levels were high. When they first got to him, he put them on a 90-day regimen of the 90 essential nutrients, tested them again, and found that they were back to normal and didn't need EDTA chelation any longer. So that tells me that uh, my suspicions are probably accurate that doing the 90 essential nutrients and the Itericare frequencies um, will be the best thing that you could possibly do especially on your own, not having to go to a physician to do IV chelation and junk like that. Uh, you can do these things on your own to, number one, detox if you've had to take one of these jabs, and also the fact that Dr. Wallach has taken these jabs so he could continue traveling, not saying I agree, but it, it is what it is, and he's had basically no negative active uh, negative results from taking those jabs and the fact that he takes so much of this nutrition every single day is probably why he's basically protected from that stuff and as a result is kind of bulletproof when it comes to these things so and it, it just also clarifies my belief that god created our bodies to function and to be able to deal with anything that man comes up with you know in the past present and the future as long as we give the body what it needs so it can do its job. And that is the 90 essential nutrients and the terahertz frequencies. So in my opinion, again, it's just my not so humble opinion, but I think the best thing we can do to protect ourselves from what's already here and what's coming is to be doing the nutrition as well as the terahertz frequencies. So Jim, yeah, go ahead. Len Horowitz, Dr. Len Horowitz. Mm -hmm. I heard him say that fulvic acid is the antidote to the jab. It could be. You know, it fits right in with what we've been looking at. No doubt about it. You know, our uh, plant-derived minerals, that's where they basically come from. You know. Right. And... Uh, it would not surprise me at all. I've known Len Horowitz since the 90s when he wrote his book, Emerging Viruses, AIDS, and Ebola. And uh, good guy. 
and did a lot of digging so, way back when. Yeah, there's a there's an acronym. Um, it, well, there's a, a phrase that's called um, cation exchange capacity mm-hmm. that they use to measure like the minerals coming out of all these mineral mines. Yeah, and what what I was told from my guy at, at you know the Utah mine mm-hmm. that measures twelve hundred to fourteen hundred you know it scores that mm-hmm. and the next closest mine in the world that it scores six hundred <laughs> and that has about forty minerals and it's like a peat bog up in you know Canada north of uh, uh, North Dakota. Hmm. But that is the closest score of any mineral mine in the world to Utah's <laughs> mine. That scores twelve to fourteen hundred. That we have sole access to. Yes. So if you want minerals from that mine, you got to get them from Longevity. Period. Right. And uh, we're happy to oblige you. <laughs> And uh, last I heard, under current use, we've got enough for at least a uh, couple hundred years, if not more. And uh, that's pretty good. I don't think we're going to be around that much longer, personally, but uh, <laughs> who knows. But uh, I got that uh, video. Let me see if I can get it opened up here. Got that video that you sent me downloaded. And let's see here. Where is it? Uh, there it is. Got too much junk on my desktop. 23 minutes. Well, we'll get her started and see what it looks like, and then we'll uh, go on from there. Here we go. The owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. Before I begin my video, I just want to remind you my dating site, clownworlddating.com, is up and running. Sign up is free. If you'd like a premium account, it's $10 a month. You could also donate or share a link if you don't want to sign up. Trying to get the idea off the ground. If you want to meet someone who's not an NPC, give Clown World Dating a try. In this video, I will document the many connections Tucker Carlson has to the CIA and other groups. The reason I'm doing this is because right now, He is leading a major part of America off a cliff with his false conservative platform. He rages about the elite and how America seems to be going down the drain when he himself couldn't be more connected to these same elites helping to do it. He is a total shill, a puppet being used to distribute propaganda. What people need to realize is the left and right paradigm we are given is entirely false. Whether you watch CNN or Fox, you are getting CIA agents highly trained in propaganda usually coming from wealthy families. Take Anderson Cooper, for example. He admittedly interned at the CIA and was born into the Vanderbilt family. He could be called the face of CNN, just as Tucker is the face of Fox. Follow me as I take you through his career and document his highly suspect rise in journalism. Don't forget to take notes and research these things yourself. Tucker Carlson was born on May 16, 1969, in San Francisco, California. When he was six years old, his father, Richard, divorced his mother, Lisa, and married Patricia Swanson, one of the heiresses to Swanson Enterprises, most notable for their TV dinners. Carlson attended many boarding schools during his youth, including locations in Switzerland and Rhode Island. 
He graduated from Trinity College in Connecticut in 1991, which is known as one of the Little Ivies, which are a group of private schools which compete with Ivy League schools. Supposedly, Tucker attempted to join the CIA when he graduated, but his application was denied. I can't find an explanation as to why he wanted to be in the CIA or why they rejected him. His father was a very well-connected man in the media industry and encouraged him to pursue journalism because, quote, they'll take anybody. His father, Richard, started his career in journalism at the young age of 22. He had jobs as a copy boy at the Los Angeles Times, as well as a reporter for United Press International, which at the time was one of the largest newswire services in the world. He worked for a few TV stations in Los Angeles and San Diego before joining San Diego Federal Savings and Loan in 1977. The bank was headed by Gordon Luce, who was the former public affairs director for Reagan. Richard became vice president of finance within three years, and during this time, the bank had a lot of political controversies due to their connections to current and former members of the Reagan administration. In 1983, he decided to get into politics, and in 1984, ran for mayor of San Diego. He lost to his opponent, Roger Hedgecock, who was later forced from office in 1985 after it was revealed he received over $350,000 illegally during his campaign. Coincidentally, he would also go on to become a conservative radio host. In 1986, using his connections to the White House, Reagan personally announced his intention to nominate Richard as Associate Director of the United States Information Agency. He became Director of Voice of America, which was a propaganda broadcasting division of USIA. He served as their longest-running director. Voice of America started in 1941 when President Roosevelt established the Foreign Broadcast Information Service as a program directed by the Office of Strategic Services, which became the CIA. The intention stated publicly was to communicate America's views abroad, but it was really an outfit to disseminate propaganda. The first few broadcasts for Voice of America were done over British Broadcasting Corporation transmitters but expanded rapidly and fell under control of the Office of War Information in 1942. The Office of War Information was tasked with creating and distributing propaganda domestically and internationally. They did this through various means such as broadcasts, newspapers, posters, films, and other media. The agency was terminated by President Truman in 1945, and their offices were transferred to the State Department, and most of the responsibilities were transferred to the CIA. It should also be noted that a Voice of America relay station in Thailand was used as a CIA black site referred to as Cat's Eye or Detention Site Green. These overlaps and connections between Voice of America and the CIA should not be glossed over. In 1991, Richard Carlson was personally nominated by President George H.W. Bush to be the U.S. Ambassador to the Seychelles, a nation of islands off the eastern coast of Africa. In 1997, he became CEO of King World Public Television, which was later purchased by CBS in 1999 for $2.5 billion. He became the vice chairman of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, which is an organization that is part of the Israel lobby in the United States. It was founded by Clifford May, who was also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, the Project for the New American Century, and vice chairman of the Republican Jewish Coalition. Now, you're starting to see that it was no mistake Tucker wanted to join the CIA and become a journalist, like father, like son. Tucker Carlson got his start in journalism when he was hired as a fact checker for Policy Review. This was a publication put out by the Heritage Foundation. The Heritage Foundation was founded in 1973 by three men, Paul Weirich, a political activist and commentator, Edwin Fulner, an academic who attended London School of Economics, which is a Rothschild-controlled school, and who was also advisor to different government agencies and domestic policy consultant to Reagan, 
and last but not least, Joseph Coors of the Coors Brewing family. In 1975, Congress investigated the activities of the Korean Central Intelligence Agency in the U.S. Mr. Fuelner had met with the KCIA station chief, Kim Young-Hwan, and in the early 90s, the Heritage Foundation started receiving donations from the KCIA. It should also be noted that in 2005, Mr. Fuelner was appointed to a task force on UN reform, which included such people as former CIA Director James Woolsey, with the goal of achieving a more effective United Nations. The task force was also supported by the Council on Foreign Relations. In 1977, Paul Weyrich hired a man named Roger Pearson to write for Policy Review. In 1986, an intelligence agency watchdog publication called the Covert Action Quarterly documented Pearson's connections to James Jesus Angleton, who was the former chief of CIA counterintelligence, as well as Daniel Graham, former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. The Heritage Foundation was largely funded by Joseph Coors through his family wealth but it also received funding from Chase Manhattan Bank, Pfizer, Dow Chemical, Sears, General Motors, Amico, and Mobil. David Rockefeller was CEO and chairman of Chase Manhattan Bank at the time. It should also be noted that David's grandfather, John D. Rockefeller, who started the Standard Oil Company, had to break it up due to antitrust laws, and Amico, as well as Mobil, were once part of the company. John D. Rockefeller also donated the 16 acres of land upon which the United Nations headquarters sits in New York. In David Rockefeller's own memoirs, he is quoted as saying, Some even believe we, the Rockefeller family, are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists, and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty, and I am proud of it. He also funded and was chairman of the Council on Foreign Relations. A quick little fun fact, before the homosexual political commentator David Brock, founder of Media Matters for America, a leftist propaganda outlet which received funding from George Soros and given office space by alleged pedophile and human trafficker John Podesta, he was on the board of the Heritage Foundation. He supported Hillary Clinton for president twice, and dated James Alephantis, who has been accused of being a pedophile and human trafficker. He is also a friend of Lynn Rothschild. Lynn Rothschild supposedly abhors Trump and fawns over Clinton publicly, yet her and Trump go way back as well. Also, here's a photo of Trump laughing it up with Happy Rockefeller, wife of former Vice President and New York Governor Nelson Rockefeller. It's a great example to show you that these people are all liars and actors. They will fill whatever role they need to fill when they need to fill it. Sometimes that involves swinging to the total opposite side of the false paradigm politically if it's advantageous to the agenda of the elite. Pick your central banking puppet, left or right. It's all controlled, and these people are shameless whores. When Tucker Carlson left his job at Policy Review, he went to work for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette under the tutelage of editor Paul Greenberg. Mr. Greenberg was very well connected, having his pieces published across 1,400 different newspapers within the Tribune Content Agency syndicate at the time. He also won a Pulitzer Prize in 1969 and appeared on major television networks as a political commentator on talk shows such as Charlie Rose. Now, I can't actually prove that Mr. Greenberg was CIA, but when I started to look at a few publications he put out, it made me start to wonder. In one article entitled, How to Break the CIA, published on JewishWorldReview.com September 2, 2009, he defends the CIA from what he believes to be unfair persecution. He defends the torture of possibly innocent people, as justified in the, quote, war on terror. When referring to the torture of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, he says, 
Are we supposed to be sorry about that and proceed to punish those who uncovered these plans? On what theory? That no good deed for your country should go unpunished? He also boo-hoos about the morale of the CIA and how investigations might increase their agents' anxiety. In another article by Mr. Greenberg entitled, Hooray for Snooping, published in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette October 23, 2013, he talks about a national conference of editorial writers he attended in Calgary, Alberta in the 70s or 80s. In the article, he says that, quote, That year at Calgary, one solemn resolution proposed that we stop talking to the CIA, since a number of journalists abroad had been assassinated on the pretext that we were all CIA agents, capitalist spies, tools of imperialism, and, well, you know the rest. As if the killers were so lacking in imagination, they couldn't come up with some other excuse to do away with us if they hadn't invented this one. So there we were, an all-too-solemn convention assembled, First Amendment or no, debating whether we should gag ourselves. I dissented, being an American, and unaccustomed to being told whom I could talk to or not talk to. Memory grows furtive, but I believe the resolution was defeated. That it was ever considered was disgraceful enough. It occurs to some of us that, if the CIA and FBI and NSA had been allowed to talk even to each other before September 11, 2001, that date might not have become another one that will live in infamy. If only big data could have been mined back then, the way it is now, the country might have been a lot safer, along with the thousands of innocent victims who found themselves in the Twin Towers that fateful day, and others rushing to their rescue as firefighters and cops and the troops who were stationed at the Pentagon as airliners were turned into flaming engines of destruction, their passengers and crews wiped out, including those who, like the ones aboard Valiant Flight United 93, were the first to mount a counterattack against the terrorist in this still-continuing war. It would seem Mr. Greenberg, a very well-connected columnist, was very sympathetic to the ambitions of the CIA for seemingly no reason. It should also be noted he was Jewish and a Zionist. When Tucker left the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, he went to work for the Weekly Standard News Magazine in 1995. It was founded by William Crystal and Fred Barnes. William Crystal is Jewish and the son of Irving Crystal, who's been described as, quote, the godfather of neoconservatism. Irving Crystal was also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and worked for the Congress for Cultural Freedom. The Congress for Cultural Freedom was a group started by a Jewish CIA agent named Mikkel Jocelyn in 1950. It distributed anti-communist propaganda in 35 countries and published over 20 magazines. In 1966, the New York Times ran a series of articles exposing it as a front for the CIA to transfer money to the State Department and the United States Information Agency, the same agency which broadcasted Voice of America, which Tucker's dad was the director of. In the book Finks, How the CIA Tricked the World's Best Writers, author Joel Whitney talks about, quote, how the good versus bad CIA is a false divide, and that the cultural cold warriors again and again used anti-communism as a lever to spy relentlessly on leftists, and indeed writers of all political inclinations, and thereby pushed U.S. democracy a little closer to the Soviet model of the surveillance state. He alleges that Crystal was in fact a CIA employee. The man who referred to Irving as the godfather of neoconservatism was a man named Jonah Greenberg, also Jewish and editor-in-chief of the National Review, a semi-monthly magazine. The magazine was founded by William F. Buckley Jr. and has played a significant role in the development of conservatism in the United States. Like Crystal, Buckley was also outed as a CIA employee in Joel Whitney's book. It should also be noted that Fred Barnes, co-founder of the Weekly Standard, 
currently moderates a show on Voice of America called Issues in the News. Again, the same program Tucker's father, Richard, was director of. It would seem William Crystal was also a fan of Paul Greenberg, Tucker's first mentor at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, since he quoted him in an article he published in the Washington Examiner, November 1, 2004, entitled The 9-11 Connection. In the article, he quotes Paul as saying, Everything we had thought, assumed, expected in the golden 90s hadn't been so. The surface piece of the 1990s had been bought at a great price. On 9-11, a failure of American leadership was revealed, a failure to look ahead and act forcefully to forestall threats, to do what Bush has called, quote, the hard work of fighting terror and spreading freedom. Williams' father, Irving, alleged CIA employee, also only had kind words to say about Mr. Greenberg when he wrote the foreword to his 1991 book, Resonant Lives, 50 Figures of Consequence. He said, and I quote, our intellectual and spiritual elites today are, with some notable exemptions, semi-educated at best. This explains why someone like Mr. Greenberg has not received the recognition he deserves. Oh yes, he has won a Pulitzer Prize and other awards, which is nice, but these are tributes to his journalistic talents as a columnist and editorial writer. As a master of the brief, moral essay, he has yet to come into his own. These men all seem to connect to one another in some way, and they all seemingly support the, quote, alleged war on terror while increasing the size of the government in the name of preserving freedom. They protect Israel and promote their agenda while scapegoating Muslims for false flag attacks meant to justify giving more power to their think tanks and intelligence agencies, which answer to nobody except the people lining their pockets. After leaving the Weekly Standard, Tucker then went on to write for New York Magazine, Reader's Digest, Slate, Esquire, The New Republic, The New York Times, The Daily Beast, and The Wall Street Journal. He would also go to work on camera for CNN, PBS, and MSNBC before finally settling into his role at Fox News as the poster boy for conservative values. During those years, he also somehow found time to appear on shows like King of Queens, 30 Rock, and Dancing with the Stars. While he is now in Fox News as arguably their most popular personality, this wasn't his first tango with News Corporation, which owns Fox News. News Corporation, owned by Rupert Murdoch, also owned the Weekly Standard, where Tucker worked under Bill Kristol. News Corporation headquarters is located in none other than the Rockefeller Center Complex in New York. Rupert Murdoch is also on the board of Genie Energy, an American energy company located out of New Jersey. Other noteworthy people on the board of Genie Energy include Jacob Rothschild, the head of the Rothschild banking dynasty, and James Woolsey, former director of the CIA, who, if you remember earlier, was also on the UN Reform Task Force in 2005 with Heritage Foundation founder Edwin Fuelner, whose goal was to create a more effective United Nations. The same United Nations which resides on land donated by John D. Rockefeller. In a 2015 article written by Charlie Rose in Vanity Fair, he details a merger between Jacob Rothschild and David Rockefeller. Rothschild bought 37% of shares in Rockefeller Financial Services through his RIT Capital Partners. This is the same Charlie Rose who would have Arkansas columnist Paul Greenberg on a show to talk politics, and the same Paul Greenberg who was held in such high regard by William Crystal and his father Irving. There are so many overlapping connections that can be made that I probably missed dozens, if not more, during my research into the topic. Given these connections to the CIA, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, etc., it's no wonder Tucker Carlson ridicules people who believe that 9-11 was an inside job and calls these people parasites. 
Now, I All go back right. to our individuals probably when we first funded Al-Qaeda. Back, 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 well, not, yeah, back, back when they were fighting the Soviets. We, we gave them a lot of money. CIA, CIA pretty much trained them. I mean, I mean that's, that's pretty much enough evidence for me. That the government brought down the Twin Towers? No, the government, the, the government was involved in bringing them to the Twin Towers because they would not be trained. Because who, who trained them? The government trained them. The CIA trained them. Special ops trained them. All right. I've, I've had this debate so many times. It's not, you know, I don't know. I just, it, it seems to me that it, it's kind of beneath, sort of beneath, like, adult discourse even, really, I guess. And it, and it definitely discredits otherwise good ideas. I just think that the implications, if, if the government was involved, the implications are so vast that it should be looked into whether or not it seems has been ridiculous. So for family members of the victims that are asking questions and want the evidence that's been withheld by the government released, you would say that they're less than adults somehow for wanting that information? I would information? say that parasites like you make it much worse for them. That's what I would say. I'm a parasite now? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's filthy to say things like that with no evidence, and you have none. So you should stop. That's my. It's also no wonder Tucker Carlson won't seriously address the Rothschilds on his show, as his boss probably wouldn't be too happy, even though they have so much control and influence. Whenever people bring up legitimate issues, it's his job to mock them, so his viewers won't get to the truth of the matter. Washington, D.C. experienced a mild snowfall last week. Luckily, city councilman Trayon White was on it. He knows why it happened. Watch this. It just started snowing out of nowhere this morning, man. Y'all better pay attention to this climate control, man. This climate manipulation. And D.C. keep talking about we're a resilient city. And that's a model based off the Rothschilds controlling the climate to create natural disasters. They can pay for it and own the cities, man. Be careful. Yep, the Rothschilds control the climate. The Rothschilds, of course, are a wealthy Jewish banking clan. They're included in a great many conspiracy theories, but those theories rarely give them credit for the weather. That's an ambitious new twist. Mark Stein is an author and columnist and a part-time meteorologist, and he joins us tonight. What do you make it? So this is, by the way, I live here, so you can laugh all you want, but that's actually mm -hmm. my city councilman speaking there. The Rothschilds control the weather. Did you know that? Uh, well, uh, I did actually, uh, uh, Tucker. They've uh, they they bought the weather uh, from God uh, back in <laughs> 1929 uh, when he had a bit of a liquidity problem after the uh, Wall Street crash, and uh, they keep it in the uh, wine cellars at the Chateau Mouton Rothschild Estate in France. And uh, they're able to micro-target the climate. Um, for example, it was light snow in your part of Washington, uh, but I gather in the stairwell of Trayon White's uh, apartment building, he actually had an avalanche <laughs> just on his floor. That's, that's how uh, micro-targeted the big Jew weather machine um, is able to be. And, he may, and by the way, you may, you may think it's a light snowfall, but if you actually examine it, it's actually small pieces of gefilte fish, uh, which is why it doesn't melt. And that's why the Jews control the snowplow business. Uh, so they scoop all the gefilte fish in Washington away, and they use it to make Louis Farrakhan Calypso albums, uh, which they put out to discredit uh, Louis Farrakhan from telling the truth about the synagogue of Satan. It all makes sense. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, I mean, I don't know if it's funny, it's actually so appalling and shocking that it's, it's hard to, 
I'm just going to laugh about it. That was that was what you made me feel better about a city out of control. So then I want to run this by you. Maybe you can make me feel better about this, too. There's a new uproar on social media over microaggressions at UC Santa Cruz. The school has assembled a list of microaggressions. They warned Tucker Carlson seems to be everywhere. He has become the face of the conservative and right wing movement in the United States, surely due to the incredible amount of connections he has to intelligence agencies in the government. This is why the gatekeepers in the media attempt to give him credibility and publish stories like how he's being spied on by the NSA, or how a seemingly random man confronted him in Montana at a fly fishing shop and insulted him trying to start a confrontation, and it turns out that the man was actually an employee of the Asia Foundation, which was created in 1951 by the CIA as a front organization to distribute propaganda. If you had any doubts before watching this that Tucker Carlson was controlled opposition, I hope the research I presented will put that to bed. Mainstream media is all controlled in its one big incestuous pit. Don't worship these people as heroes because they will sell you down the river in a heartbeat. Is Tucker Carlson CIA? Well, you can't prove that directly, but once you pour through all of his connections, you would find it incredibly hard not to believe that is the case. About the only thing we're missing at this point is official government documents detailing as much, which I am sure will come out at some point in the future. The CIA has a very long and documented history of infiltrating and controlling the media. Operation Mockingbird is a great example of that. Tucker Carlson is just one of many examples you could make. Remember to always do your own research and turn off the television. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really kind of surprised they didn't get into the uh, Hunter Biden connection. Supposedly, uh, Tucker and Hunter are good buddies, which uh, <laughs> uh, is one more thing that scares me. They were next door neighbors. Yeah, yeah, and apparently, yeah. Uh, Hunter tried, Hunter helped Tucker's kid get into a school, or vice versa, something like that. I don't know the whole story behind it, but um, it's rather interesting. Uh, who knows? Pretty pretty interesting stuff, though, the guy brought up. And the deal where he's talking to the guy about the uh, World Trade Center, <laughs> you know, there's no uh -huh. question that that was uh, an inside job. Anybody thinks otherwise <laughs> is nuts. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, anyway. Yeah, I um, thought it was a powerful video. Yeah. Thanks for playing that. Thanks for giving it to me. I appreciate it, Dave. Oh, you're welcome. Um, now, I put a note in the, both chat rooms. uh I have been, the last couple of days, while we've been working or doing this stuff on a free conference call, I've been simulcasting on Jitsi just because I've seen people in there and I figured I might as well, you know, keep things going. And um, today uh, I I went ahead and um, got things started and then uh, right in the middle of one of the videos, I refreshed my screen and in the past when, when Jitsi was acting up, it would throw everything off into an ultimate reality and I'd be in a different room. This time it went right back and it had the same, uh, luckily it had the uh, moderator controls still and all the rest. So it looks like Jitsi is finally straightened out again. And I wanted to check and see what people thought about whether we should go back to Jitsi or whether we should continue on with free conference call. Um, it's, 
you know, I can do both, but I would rather not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, starting screen sharing in each one individually and putting going back and forth and that kind of stuff can be a pain when we're showing videos and that kind of a thing. Um, my inclination is to go back to Jitsi if it looks like it's working okay. It still needs some uh, work, but all in all, it's a good platform and it's worked for us over the last several years. Um, and on top of that, I just see uh, Joan popping in on Jitsi. Um, it looks like it's stabilized at this point. Um, Jim. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. If I may, I, mm -hmm. my personal opinion, I have never had a problem in free conference call and I've been out for weeks and weeks on the Jitsi with the phone line anyway. Okay. Every time they update, I I don't get in. <laughs> and it can be for, you know, quite some time. Well that's good to know. I love the free conference call. Okay. I'm uh, just curious what anybody else thinks. You know, the free conference call, it, it does cost me, but it's less than 10 bucks a month, so I don't have a problem doing that. Um, I just want to see what, because I'd, I'd really prefer not to have to do both just because it takes up a lot more space on my screen and it's, you know, one more thing i got to mess with. But um, I just want to see what you guys think, if anybody has any input one way or the other. Uh, I'm assuming the folks on Jitsi can hear what's going on or they wouldn't be there. Brent, what do you think? I can see you there. If you're free to talk, you might be busy working or something. Or Joan or uh, uh, Kirby, Kent, anybody. No, I had to bring the screen up. Um, it's working okay now. Yeah, that's good. Um, anybody else have an opinion one way or the other? Have you, uh, the guys that are on Jitsi, you know, Brent, you've been on a free conference call. Do you have a preference between the two as to which one's easier to work with? Both are really easy to get on. I was kind of surprised uh, to see you in Jitsi today. What, what caused you to go there today instead of free conference call? I had bounced out of the other room and came right on this. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a good point. You know, people coming from uh, Roger So coming, you know, makes it a little easier to go right to this channel on Jitsi rather than bringing up the other app and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's only when it hiccups yeah. that it's a problem, but otherwise it's been fine. Yeah, and it seems like whatever the issue was, they must have gotten it fixed. I just wish they would uh, get a few of the other controls working working better. But all in all, I mean, it's, it's served us well. Um, hmm. Well, I was going to say that, you know, there's more people that still looking for young Jitsi. That's the only other thing too, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I've been keeping it going. Um, it just dawned on me the other day that, uh, there may still be some people looking. So while I think it was Thursday while everybody was chatting, I went ahead and brought it up and saw that there were people there. So I went ahead and uh, got it started and, and was kind of simulcasting again. Um, yeah. Cause and, there's, there's, you know, just having four and five on, on the free conference, there's just a lot of people that hadn't found their way over to that yet. Seems yeah. Like. Yeah. It seems that way. And that's the thing. Sometimes people just, you know, they don't think to check the website or, or, you know, look around or ask questions with anybody else and that kind of thing. And, uh, I don't want to leave people behind. Um, 
theoretically I could keep them both going because like I said um, it's it's not a major problem it's just um, I have to you know do the switches here and then I got to go switches there and that kind of thing and it's 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 doable and luckily what I've got right now I actually have the Jitsi screen overlapping the major portion of the free conference call screen so I've just got the attendees and the chat showing and um, the only other control I need to get to when the time comes is the screen sharing, which is only a click of a mouse real quick. So theoretically, I suppose I could leave because I don't want to leave Dave out. And I know the issues he has sometimes with uh, Jitsi. That's been a, a definite issue. So I guess for now, I'll go ahead and do them both and we'll just see how it works. And if it's not too big of a headache for me, then whoever, you know, people can choose what they want. Um, and I'll just make another note on the website that uh, Jitsi's back up and uh, you can have your option and we'll see how things go and then uh we'll go from there i guess i can't you know i'm i i just want to make sure that everybody that wants to hear the show can and uh i don't want to you know hopefully this will be enough we won't have to come up with some other program too <laughs> it'll get a little on the crazy side but uh, i'll go ahead and uh, keep them both going for the time being and, uh, you know, cause everybody seems to be able to hear back and forth. Okay. Everybody can hear each other. I'm assuming everybody on Jitsi can hear uh, free conference call people and vice versa. Um, and, uh, yeah, I heard Brent a while ago. So I just saw a neat, neat uh, Kirby just put something in there uh, that he can't unmute. Jitsi always works for the program. Uh, Roger. So Jitsi's not consistent. That's interesting. The other thing. I didn't know that Roger's on Spreaker. Um, he said, no, no longer use Jitsi for Roger's show. I listen on Spreaker. So uh, that must be something that Paul set up for him, too. Um, hmm. Interesting. I didn't know Roger was having that. I, I knew there were some issues that they were playing around with different things, but I didn't know he was going to Spreaker as well. It's good. It's a good platform. And, uh, again, it makes it nice if we're both on the same channel. People can transfer from one to the other. Um, just by, you know, plugging the two different, uh, stations in and it's just a matter of toggling back and forth. So that's good too. Um, well, I'll just keep them both going for the time being and we'll see th how things work out. And, uh, cause like I said, I don't want Dave to be, you know, left out. And I know he's had some issues with Spreaker and, or Jitsi in the past. So, um, we'll just keep them both going and whoever wants to, you know, use whichever one you want. Uh, like I said, if, if anybody has issues where they can't hear something going on on the other one, other platform or something, be sure and let me know. But it seems like I think I've got everything set right now so that, uh, you know, Jitsi can hear free conference call and vice versa. So we'll see how things, uh, uh, hmm. Global Voice Radio Network was created by Paul Forspreaker. Oh interesting <laughs> you learn something new every day well that's good we'll just uh, i'll just you know because i can overlap things like this it's it's actually it's not taking up too much more space and i can resize each screen accordingly which uh, seems to work pretty well so it's not uh, taking up too much real estate on the screen here so we'll just uh, we'll adjust accordingly I just have to move things around so I can see my clock again. That's the one thing. There we go. Uh, not too bad. 
Just have to make some adjustments. Yeah. Alrighty. That should do it. Um, so, yeah, we'll just go ahead and I'll just do them both. Because, like I said, I can... I just have that little extra wedge sticking out from underneath my Jitsi page showing who's on a uh, free conference call in the chat there so I can see both chats and who's on what, uh, who's on first, who's on <laughs> what's on second, and so on. <laughs> so we'll just go ahead and do that. All right. Um, came across something yesterday. Where did it go? This is something... <laughs> I find it interesting. It's, it's neither here nor there, but this morning, uh, uh, my pastor for my church is on vacation for a couple of weeks, and the guy who's going to be preaching on Sunday called me and asked if I could try and find a video that he had heard about. Um, Arizona state lawmaker caught red-handed on camera hiding Bibles, and this is a, um, uh, let's see if it's a video. Um, I'm hoping they got a video of it, too. Hmm, maybe not. Oh, this particular link. But this person is a, um, an Arizona state legislator who's also a Presbyterian minister. Hid two Bibles from a lounge reserved for lawmakers under a sofa cushion, according to an Arizona family's report. House security members placed a surveillance camera in the lounge after an earlier Bible was hidden in a refrigerator. Video footage reportedly captured State Representative Stephanie Stahl Hamilton, Democrat of Arizona. Again, remember, supposedly a Presbyterian minister. The fact that she's a female and is allegedly a Presbyterian minister means she doesn't know squat about the Bible. But anyway, um, hiding two Bibles under sofa cushions, she allegedly removed them from a table and hid them under the cushions. The Democrat graduated from Princeton's Theological Seminary, well, that tells you a lot, in 2003 before becoming director of youth ministry at St. Mark's Presbyterian Church. She later served as executive director of the Montelure Presbyterian Church camp from 2010 to 2015. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, here we go. Fox News further reported (laughs) an Arizona state lawmaker was captured on video snatching a Bible off a table in the House members lounge or House members only lounge before stashing it outside of camera view. The Arizona House of Representatives was alerted about the mysterious disappearance of a pair of holy Bibles on March 23rd, which are normally left on display in the House's members only lounge, according to the state house source. The restricted area is located near the House floor and is a place where members of the House can go if they need to take a call or meet with other representatives or staff, uh, senior staff members in between votes. Guests are also allowed in the lounge, but they are required to be escorted while inside. After being alerted to the Bible disappearances, gumshoes with the house security team started searching the lounge for the Bibles, and they found they had been placed underneath cushions of two chairs. Guests are also allowed in the lounge, but they're required to be escorted while inside. They've already said that. (laughs) He just duplicated this net paragraph. After being alerted to the Bible disappearance, they just doubled both of these things. Uh, As a result, in the disappearing Bibles, the security team placed a temporary camera inside the lounge. The State House source said that security cameras are placed throughout many 
communal areas in the House building, though the lounge was not one of those areas. On April 10th, when House members were in session, a third incident occurred, this time with a pair of Bibles in the lounge once again going missing from their locations. The security camera rep, uh, captured Representative Stephanie Stahl Hamilton, a Democrat and ordained Presbyterian minister, according to her bio, uh, removing the books and hiding them under two sofas in the lounge. Stahl Hamilton and her team did not immediately respond to questions from Fox News Digital about the incident on Tuesday. In a video posted on, uh, to Twitter by the reporter with CBS 5 in Arizona, the reporter approached Stahl Hamilton to ask her why she was hiding the Bibles. She declined to comment and instead walked away from the reporter. The post-Arizona uh, post state lawmaker caught red-handed uh, on camera hiding Bibles in member-only lounge on the first, uh, appeared the first, excuse me, appeared first, on the resist the mainstream, whatever that is. But uh, I thought that was rather interesting, um, typical. Uh, let's see here. And she claims, uh, another one says, uh, calls her actions playful. <laughs> uh, Democrat Party lawmaker in Arizona State Legislature who appeared to be ordained minister. Yep, dip, 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 dip. I want to see if anybody actually posted the video. <laughs> That would be good, but uh, I'm glad I was able to find this. I'll do a little digging and see if I can get it all set up for him for uh, his message on Sunday. He wanted to talk about what so-called uh, Christian churches are now saying about Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh, I thought that was interesting. But one of the other things, um, left's claim that more guns means more deaths, not proved by statistics. Warner Todd Houston, April 24, 2023. Granted, everything liberals say is based on lies, but in particular, their claim that more guns means more deaths is simply untrue by any measure of the statistics. Indeed, in the left's uh, mantra that more guns means more deaths, that were true, but, uh, excuse me, we're seeing uh, thousands killed every week, not a uh, thousand or so a year. <laughs> That's a lie. In fact, uh, as Reason recently noted, there are currently more guns in America than there are people. So by that measure alone, the left's bumper sticker motto is a lie. Reason adds, over the past few decades, the number of guns in America has increased massively. Yeah, thank you to uh, Clinton and Obama and now O'Biden. Uh, they have done the most, the most things to arm America than anyone else ever in history. Uh, anyway, it has increased massively, so much so that there are now more guns than people in the United States. Yet federal crime statistics show that firearm homicide dropped about 40% between 1993 and 2018. From 7 per 100,000 people to 4.3 per 100,000. Uh, for non-fatal crimes involving guns, the decline was 71%. Violent crime, including, including homicides, did spike during the pandemic. Uh, thank you to George Floyd and uh, all these other Democrat-installed things. Uh, while the most uh, recent data is incomplete, it's clear that gun-related violence remains far below where it was 30 years ago, despite more guns than ever being out there. When it comes to schools, the 20 
2020 and 2021 academic year, the latest for which full data is available, did see the highest number of school shootings with casualties this century. You know, of course, they're stepping up their game trying to push the issue. There are thankfully too few violent deaths to generate statistically significant conclusions, but the long-term trends show no increase in homicides or suicides among students, staff, and teachers. Overall, schools are becoming safer and safer, with the government uh, finding that between 2009 and 2020, the rate of non-fatal criminal victimization, including theft and violent victimization, decreased for students ages 12 to 18 from 51 to 11 victimizations per 1,000 students. That's interesting. And of course, John Lott's book, More Guns, Less Crime, uh, has been a bestseller for quite some time and is truly the... uh, go-to study it's the most accurate study done in in any you know over the years uh showing that everything they're saying is totally bs and then on top of that majority of americans believe mental illness or mental health causes mass shootings not lack of gun bans (laughs) there you go and mental health issues especially when it comes to the trans movement as i've been harping on lately A recent poll found that a majority of Americans blame mass shootings on a mental health crisis in America, not a lack of uh, uh, gun gun bans and other measures of gun control. The latest Rasmussen poll found that more Americans are fearful of the lack of mental health support for people likely to engage in mass shootings, or the fact that these people are already under care of a physician and the physician doesn't report what's going on. You know, even if the person isn't saying it, they should just their body language and, the, you know, the things that they don't say should indicate that they are a danger to themselves and others. And unfortunately, many of these physicians are leftists anyway. Um, most, you know, it seems like most psychiatrists are leftists to start with. So they kind of, well, let's have another shooting, maybe even edging these people on. Who knows? Anyway. The latest Rasmussen reports uh, national telephone and online uh, survey finds that 42% of likely U.S. voters believe mental health is more to blame for mass shootings in America, while 29% blame access to firearms. And they're Democrats. Another 11% say social media is more to blame for mass shootings, while 7% uh, blame school problems and 6% think family problems are more to blame. These findings are only slightly changed from March 2022, uh, the polling group wrote on April 11th. Also, about 67% of voters believe it is likely that the attack on Nashville's Covenant School will inspire copycat attacks on Christian schools. Oh, probably. Which include 32% who think it's very likely, while 20% don't think it will happen and 12 are not sure. <laughs> They're still watching uh, CNN. As to the party split, 54% of Republicans, 33% of Democrats, and 41% of Independents say mental health is more to blame for mass shootings. On the other hand, 43% of Democrats, 10% of Republicans, and 31% of Independents blame easy firearm access. (laughs) Oh, geez. Finally, on the response split by race, 45% of white voters, 29% of black voters, 42% of other non-black minorities are more to blame for mass shootings, 
whereas 30% of white voters, 28% of black voters, and 24% of non-black minorities place more blame on firearms access. Hmm. Um, black voters are more likely to blame school problems for causing mass shootings. The left is not winning this issue, even with the rise in mass shootings. Well, that's good. Common sense will prevail. But, uh, yeah, I still say keep guns out of, the, out of the hands of the LGBTQ plus IWXYZ plus seven whatever uh, square root of three uh, people because they're nuts and they shouldn't be having these things. <sighs> Comments? Questions? Concerns? Anybody? What do you think? Am I too harsh? <laughs> uh, somebody say something. Robert's here! And he's in free conference. But he's probably busy. Oh, well. At least he's here. That's good. Um, where is... There we go. Yeah, check some other things here. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, they flashed uh, New York City to unleash food police. To... Oh, now Robert's there. Hey, how's it going? Oh. Yeah, we bit noisy, but uh, since you called me out, uh, <laughs> it can't be access because, as you know, Jim, in 1985, you and I could go into Bill's pawn shop and with only a driver's license at $500 bills by nine millimeter. Now you have to fill out paper. You didn't then, so it can't be the access. Yeah, I never bought a gun in a pawn shop. I wasn't sure what the. I always thought mm. they were federally licensed too. Hmm. Maybe it's just the area where they're located. Because yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure, at least in Ohio, yeah, so, there were FFLs. You had the same stuff there, paperwork-wise. But uh, who knows? Yeah, there's enough guns out there. Anybody that wants to lay their hand on can. And unfortunately, you know, the, uh, the situation, the people that really need to prevent it are the toughest you know, because mental issues is definitely where, you know, virtually all mass shootings come from. You know, I don't, I don't think I can remember a single one where, you know, sooner or later it didn't come out in the wash that the person was uh, under a physician's care and taking um, uh, psychotropic medications and that kind of thing. Uh, virtually all of them are. So that in and of itself, you know, should should say you know speak volumes but the thing is is that um you know it's not hard to get your hands on a gun and, and you know for generally it's not a problem until you start dealing with people that are nuts in the head and i think what we're going to be seeing i mean i keep thinking about that bozo i played the recording of yesterday you know if you try and stop me from going into a lady's restroom it'll be the last mistake you ever make when you analyze that statement, you try to keep me from peeing and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know, that is, if that ain't insane, I don't know what is. Simple as that. That's pure nuts. And uh, for people to be just not even seeing that thing. Like I said, I have yet to hear any other hosts on any other shows saying, what I've been saying is that these people should not be able to purchase a firearm, period. Whether from a person, you know, an individual, or a, you know, federally licensed dealer. 
know, and if I but had a where'd love, you get your guns if you didn't go to pawn shops? What's that? Where'd you get your guns if you didn't go to a pawn shop? Uh, years ago, when I first started buying them, I got them at gun stores, and then uh, most of my guns have come from uh, gun shows, and either some were licensed dealers ah. and others were individual table holders um, or friends. You know, a lot of, you know, I've got uh, organizations I belong to that, you know, people got guns. Hey, anybody know anybody that wants this or wants that? Or, hey, I'll trade you this for that. Um, a lot of that kind of thing. Uh, last two, though, I, I haven't bought a gun in 20 years until uh, December. And then I bought one in December and I bought another one uh, not long after that. <laughs> I got two Glocks in the last, you know, six months. And I like them a lot. And getting used to them, you know, the biggest problem with Glocks is the the back strap is rounded. And when I bring it up in a uh, defensive position, instinctive shooting, it's always muzzle high. But uh, I've put red dot sights on both of them, and that really helps quite a bit, uh, picking up the uh, sight picture quickly. So I'm I'm confident that if I need to use them for defensive purposes, they'll, they'll work quite well for me. And... Uh, they're very, very nice. You know, it's been years. I've, I've, I've always been, always enjoyed shooting Glocks, um, you know, like for bullseye and stuff like that. But for defensive purposes, I never wanted one for that reason. But, uh, yeah, um, I bought them on all, you know, from individuals, from dealers, you know, different places. And uh, got one one time from a... Uh, Back in, back when I was on the police department, uh, some you know back in the days, this was back in the mid '90s. They were doing the uh, the gun buybacks, you know, and the local Kroger store was providing a twenty dollar food coupon that you could uh, trade in any gun, and uh, you get a coupon for twenty dollars worth of food at the local Kroger store, and. I was a supervisor on the weekend shift and uh, when one of those things was going on. And um, basically, I told the, my dispatcher that I would handle all the gun buybacks. And most of these things where people were really taking advantage of it, they had a piece of crap that didn't work and they traded in and get $20 worth of food, which was fine. There was no names, no paperwork, no nothing. But uh, all weekend long, that's what it was. It was just junk that people were getting rid of and getting some money for. And the last call of the day, this girl had a, uh, you know, on the way to it, uh, I was told that the, the county was the, the frankly, the, the, the county sheriff's department was the one that handled all the things. And they were out of the coupons. So I went there anyway, just tell them, I said, look, uh, you know, the uh, I found out on the way over here that the, the the system's out. They're over. You know we can't do anymore. But depending on what you've got, if if you want, when I come get off work, I'll come back and give you twenty dollars cash. And she had a Smith and Wesson Model Thirty Seven, which is a two inch air weight thirty eight special, in pristine condition, still in the box. Her ex husband and her had bought the thing wow, years yeah. ago. And um, they took it to the range. They had a 50-round box of lead round-nose ammo. They shot up 44 rounds and left six of them in the, in the chambers. Never cleaned it. Nothing. And it had been sitting there for years. 
still it was one of the old grayish blue boxes with the little staples on the edge on the corners i mean this was an old one but it was a good one and it was in perfect shape and i looked at it and i says you know i'll be happy to come back and give you twenty dollars for it if you want and um i said okay so i get off duty i go back over there and for some reason she called her ex-husband and told her what she was told him what she was doing <laughs> he was freaking out and he wanted the gun. So I get there, and I said, look, I'm not going to get in between you two. And I said, if you want him to have it, that's fine. If you want me to buy it, I'll still, the offer still stands. I want you to take it. <laughs> I said, here's the 20 bucks. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it's in the safe right behind me. Um, have I, any of you ever? You still have it? I still have it. I've had it. I, I got it in, like, 1994. And I'm, you know, so I've had it for, what, almost 20 years now? shoot or 30 years good grief <laughs> 30 years next year what was that brett have any of you ever fired or seen the mossberg 715t is that the 22 that's really quiet yeah i asked i actually asked a dealer about that a while ago and he said don't get it it's a piece of junk <laughs> it probably is but it is quiet yeah that's the key. <laughs> yeah. When they make a gun that's it's like it's got a suppressor, but it doesn't, you don't have to pay the tax stamp and all that kind of garbage and go through everything. Uh, I'm still, mm -hmm. I've never fired one. I haven't even seen one, but um, I want to check it out. You know. And you can pick them up for about 200 bucks. Yeah. And that'd be, that'd be worth it. You know, you do a little work on it and make it more uh, reliable if that's the problem. Uh, yeah, this one guy, when I worked for the city bus company, had talked about outlet stores. You know, he said, oh, there's nothing but crap in there. That stuff falls apart and everything. And I said, well, I've had outlet store stuff for five to ten years. And he said, oh, you are a Marine. You guys take care of your stuff. <laughs> well, that helps. <laughs> so I figured that with that one. Yeah, I remember you telling me about it, and it's still on my list of things to try and find one to check out. I may have to uh, do some digging, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I like that idea. Yeah, but I don't know if I brought it up to you, but they've been out of stock for probably a few weeks now. But I got four thousand rounds of twenty-two. Ooh. Yeah, and it was like, I think two fifty two with shipping and tax. Wow, for two ends up being like six point two cents a round. Man, last time and I bought twenty two ammo, it was less than it was about a penny a round. <laughs> yeah, I got it for three cents a round at a place like four or five years ago, mm. but it's been way up there. Yeah. I was amazed lately. I've been looking in a uh, hundred round box of CCI mini mags. I used to get for like a dollar ninety seven or something, and that's mm. like ten twelve bucks now. It's like good grief! Can't believe that. Yeah, my local Kmart. I used to buy that stuff all day long for less than two dollars. You know, a hundred and uh, great ammo. Yeah, it, it went up better in price than silver. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, uh, ammo is going to be one of those, one of the things that are going to be big for barter, you know, when the crap really hits the fan. 
it'll be worth more, far more than silver and gold. Um, well, you know, well, as it stands, function. I don't like giving numbers, but I have about 12,500 rounds of 22 ammo. I have enough to shoot one round a day for 33 years. Hmm. <laughs> or three thirty three rounds a day for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Something. <laughs> something like that or a year, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I got a fair amount too. I got a whole big shelf of it downstairs, but, uh, above the and 45 and ungodly nine. heavy. Yeah. Yep. My wire shelves hold it pretty well. I'm surprised it's in, there's no Boeing in that thing, <laughs> but yeah, I got a rack downstairs. It's nothing but ammo and it's pretty full and I still when a good deal comes along, jump on it. But, uh, man, yeah. New York city to unleash food police to limit residents consumption in the name of climate justice. Everything is the climate. Now that is so disgusting. You know, the biggest lie of the century, I think, is climate change. And they're using, you know, it's one of those things, too, that, you know, of course, the left, they act like it's, you know, absolute fact. You know, proven, there's no question. Science is, you know, unquestioningly true. You know, the food, you know, climate change is coming. And if we don't do something, we're all going to die. I said, well, you know... (laughs) I can still remember back uh, when uh, when the DuPont um, patent on Freon ran out, and that's exactly when they came up with the whole hole in the ozone layer <laughs> as the excuse because the new DuPont product to replace Freon was less and less uh, efficient and more expensive. So now that somebody else could make Freon, anybody could, they had to make sure that there was, you know, you couldn't use this stuff. And that's what they came up with. It makes a hole in the ozone layer. And that's where climate change came from. And it's all one big farce because DuPont couldn't come up with a better product for less money than the Freon. <laughs> and that's where, that's where climate change came from. And it's just absolutely disgusting that people have bought into this myth and are, you know, trying to do everything they're doing now, trying to get rid of, you know, gas and, you know, uh, natural gas and, and fossil fuels or whatnot, so-called fossil fuels. They're not fossil fuels, but, uh, trying to get rid of gas and diesel and oil and force us into something that doesn't exist. Uh, just absolute idiocy. And so yeah, many people just, their pocket change. Yeah. They just buy into it. It's on, it's nuts. So, you know, what can I say? It's crazy, hey. crazy, crazy. Yeah, go ahead. Is that Joan? Hey, you Sergeant, all the men on here. May I ask what would you do and say if a policeman said, Oh, I see you walking around with a gun with no permit. Come on, we're gonna arrest you. Come on, we're going to jail. I I can't make out what you're saying, Joan. What kind of mic are you using? Oh my goodness. Uh, is uh, it just a mic on your computer or? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. It. I don't know why, but it's it's, it's really garbled. Echo. Try try again. Um. Get a little closer and don't speak. Just speak your right normal voice level. Okay. Is Go. this better? No. 
it still seems like it's it's cutting in and out. Or, I don't know if anybody else is having that problem, but I'm having a hard time because it seems like it's cutting in and out. Okay. Go ahead and ask it anyway. Maybe maybe we'll see if we can't hear it. If you or any of the other men on here are walking around with your gun without a permit, and a policeman comes up and says, oh, I see you're walking around without a permit for your gun. Come on, buddy. I'm arresting you. You're going to jail. <laughs> well. What would you say or do? I determined years ago that I'm willing to die defending my rights. And the question is whether the person that's hassling me is willing to die violating them. You know, luckily here, you know, in Ohio, I've been carrying a gun without a permit since 1978. I didn't become a police officer until 1980. And Ohio was one of two states that had a very interesting law. And I won't go into it here because we don't have enough time. But, um, the way I look at it, God gave me the right, not man, and I'm not asking any man for any anything, permission to do anything. I used to teach concealed carry classes before our concealed carry law passed, and when it passed, I stopped teaching because I wasn't going to be a part of someone giving up their God-given right for a state-granted privilege. Uh, now, here in Ohio, recently, within the last year or so, they passed con- uh, permitless carry. Uh, basically if if you got a clean record you can carry you know they can't uh, mess with you so i'm not worried about it and i i wouldn't care anyway because i was carrying without a permit uh all this time i just decided i'm not going to ask somebody for permission and uh, i've never had anybody give me grief about it um and uh, i've been stopped by police and uh, before you know a couple of years ago i was on my way to church one morning and a county deputy stopped me and uh, started going through a spiel is there any contraband or guns in the car that i should know about and i said you know, <laughs> i i first about said no because there's not you know it's none of his business but then i said you mean the one other than the one on my hip and he didn't say anything and he just went on about it and you know uh let me go um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, I have a right to protect myself. I don't care what anybody and their laws say, uh, period. That's just my stand on it. And, uh, I don't know. Anybody else, Brent, anybody jump in? Thanks. Mm-hmm. So what would you do if you were actually arrested carrying concealed without a permit how would you address that you know that's that's a tough situation number one i would try and talk to the guy first but more than likely it probably wouldn't do any good knowing how the mentality of street cops because i was one um if you want to go that route then more than likely you know i would probably yeah and again it would depend on the situation uh, but more than likely, if he was being decent about it, then I would probably go along with it for the time being, and then I'd beat his butt in court. Uh, with more, I'd probably paper whip him beforehand and never go to court. Um, 
the only downside that way is chances are, you know, before, you know, if I was carrying an inexpensive gun, um, I wouldn't worry so much if I didn't get it back. But um, trouble is the one I'm carrying right now, you know, is by the time I got done with all the specializations that I've done to it, it's worth about 1200 bucks. <laughs> so I'd be kind of upset if I didn't get it back. But um, again, I would have to, I would try and engage them in some, con, con, you know, some logical conf, uh, conversation. But I don't see that happening given the situation that, you know, I'm in currently because, uh, number one, I always have a badge on me. Number two, uh, even without the badge in Ohio, it's legal to carry without a permit. So they wouldn't have any reason to arrest me in the first place. Um, and I would, I would definitely be wanting them to uh, tell me what their elicit their probable cause if they did try to make an arrest. And then at that point, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled that um, you are justified in using any force necessary to resist an unlawful arrest. And I would make sure that they were aware of that as well. I'd say you might be better off taking this to a grand jury, you know, doing a report, and we'll deal with it from that standpoint rather than trying to physically arrest me now. But anyway, we're out of time. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with Mike Callan, DW, and I'm sure a good time will be had by all. So until then, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. We'll see you all tomorrow. Take care and God bless.